Hey there, it's Eloisa, your host of The Truth, the podcast where we hear from some of the most extraordinary women who talk about business strategy, entrepreneurship, industry trends, and so much more. We're here to uncover what truly happens behind the scenes and on the journey to leadership because a door opened for these women and we're making sure that that door stays open. Today's guest is brand marketing and strategy leader, Erica Weiss. While Erica has spent her professional business career in consumer marketing, her path to get there was not traditional. She started out as an associate producer for Channel 13 in NYC, one of the most respected PBS stations in the country, where she worked on culture, arts, science, and nature programs. Deciding she wanted to further her education, she went to the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University for her MBA, with her sights set on continuing her post-business school career in the entertainment industry in LA. Upon graduating, she made the move to LA and landed her first job at the Walt Disney Company. She spent several years in entertainment marketing between Disney and 20th Century Fox before shifting her focus into the fitness space. As a lifelong athlete and self-professed fitness junkie, fitness was and still is a personal lifelong passion for her, and she found herself right at home. She spent nearly nine years at Beachbody, where she worked on the flagship P90X fitness franchise, and after Beachbody, Erica decided to explore the startup world and has been spearheading a lot of marketing initiatives inside the digital fitness space. I'm excited for y'all to hear her story, so let's go ahead and dive in. Thank you so much, Erica, for taking the time to come on. I am incredibly excited for everybody to be here. Your story, your journey, and also your vision into what this space is going to look like. We're definitely in an interesting space right now. So I guess to kind of go ahead and kick us off here, can you share with us a little background on yourself and how you got to where you are today? Absolutely. So I had a somewhat non-traditional start to my business career. Right out of college, I worked as an associate television producer at Channel 13 WNET, which is the flagship PBS station in New York City, where I worked on culture and arts and science and nature documentary programming. But I always knew that I wanted to continue my education. Uh, So I decided to get my MBA because I saw it as a really flexible degree that I could pair with whatever I was passionate about. And passion is something really important to me in my career. I went to the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University, and I was immediately drawn to marketing because I love how it brings together the art of storytelling and creative thinking with a grounding in data, numbers, and analytics. After graduating, I had my heart set on returning to the entertainment industry So I headed west to LA and I landed in the home entertainment group at the Walt Disney Company, which was a truly amazing training ground for a brand marketer. After several years at Disney, I moved to the home entertainment group at 20th Century Fox. And then out of the blue, a recruiter friend called and said, hey, you're an athlete, you love fitness, you should interview for a marketing job at Beachbody. So I went to Beachbody for my interviews and it was like I was home when I was there. And I had this realization that the fitness industry is where I wanted to be. It's something I am very passionate about, passionate about both personally and professionally. 
and working on something like fitness that has the potential to improve people's lives really resonated with my own values. And I loved Beachbody. I spent almost nine years there until I got the itch to try something totally different and new. And I ventured into the startup world. And I have been with Workout, which is a digital fitness startup for just over a year now. That's amazing. I want to pull on the thread of storytelling and then also your entertainment background. I always think it's incredibly fascinating when, because there's very few, few right, that, that made that really cool transition from the entertainment space into the fitness space. And as we think about it today, it's really, really synergistic because now fitness is being consumed in so many, so many different ways. My goodness, you certainly saw that when you when you started to lead the entire P90X fitness franchise and how that in itself was also consumed in so many different different channels. So let's talk about your background in entertainment first because I think it's incredibly fascinating. We talk about this really cool buzzword of omni-channel, right? And when the pandemic first started, we're like, oh yeah, everybody's going to be omni-channel. Like, what does that actually mean in practice? And now as we fast forward and even to the current state, it is now almost a requirement. It is a standard for business to be omni-channel. So thinking along those same lines, what would you say are some of your biggest learnings, your takeaways from starting your career into media and entertainment and going to fitness? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And there are so many parallels between entertainment and fitness, and even more so now. I really see entertainment as one of the original omni-channel businesses. And if you look at Disney, for example, for years and years and years, They've made their content available wherever the consumer is. So you can consume Disney content in movie theaters, on DVD, Blu-ray, now streaming in your own living room and with Disney+, Plus, TV, radio, parks, hotels, resorts, toys, merchandise. I mean, it's everywhere. And I would say they are a true omni-channel master. Um, they have made their content and their character IP omnipresent and consumable anytime, anywhere, in so many different formats. And I really see that entertainment was the leader in going through this transition from the physical consumption of content, starting with a movie theater, moving into the digital consumption of content with streaming. And I feel like they really realized early on that it's not an either or situation, but more of an and situation and making sure that you're providing an experience that follows the consumer wherever they are and giving them choice of how, when, and where they consume and interact with content. And the fitness industry really followed a similar evolution. Of course, I'm coming from Beachbody. Their original business model was built on selling at-home fitness programming, first on VHS going back really far, then transitioning into DVD and finally getting into streaming now, first with pre-filmed content and now streaming live fitness content. And the pandemic really accelerated the evolution in the fitness industry. Um, and to your point, it really is a requirement that for a fitness brand to not only survive now, but to thrive, it must be on the channel. And so many big brands from gyms to boutique fitness to digital fitness are embracing this model. 
I completely agree. And, you know, we're talking about the, the kind of like really critical piece here where it is a standard, it's a requirement. And it's funny because I think about this kind of shift in mentality that I've personally had over the past couple of years where traditionally as a marketer, we were always trying to think of how can we create deeper engagement with our customers? But at the end of the day, it's not that we're trying to create engagement. And let me know too if you think otherwise too, because I'm always curious to see other, hear others' perspective. But it's not just like, trying to identify ways for engagement, but really trying to latch on to the types of behaviors that these consumers are actually are, are engaging in, right? So instead of saying that, oh, I'm gonna go gonna go on social media or I'm gonna launch a mobile application, right? Perfect example. Um, just be able to take my brand outside of the four walls of a traditional brick and mortar fitness business. That's great. However, what's the type of engagement that you actually want? What are the type of behaviors that you want your consumers to be able to, to, to have with your business? So when you think about, and I'm sure that you've probably seen it too, although you were of course like on the digital side, but you've probably seen it from like a brick and mortar perspective of what are like some of the challenges, the really kind of like unique points that these retail businesses had to go through when it comes to trying to go through that digital transformation? Yeah, that's a great question. And and actually with the company that I'm at now, Workout, we did go through a little bit of that transition. The company was founded by uh, a guy named Curtis Christofferson, who owns the largest chain of premium personal training studios in North America. And when the pandemic happened, they had to shut all of their doors and they um, really quickly had to pivot into this digital model, found that there was actually a business outside of just a spinoff of their uh, brick and mortar studios and created Workout as its own digital platform. So I have seen that. I came in sort of at the beginning of that. And what I've learned is you really can't just take a brick and mortar fitness concept and drop it into a digital world. There are a lot of things that really have to be taken into an into account here. And as a marketer, I look at it through the lens of the four P's, product, price, place, promotion. So getting into digital just requires an entirely new set of expertise from engineering to e-commerce to content, filming and production and talent. Um, For example, with talent, teaching live in front of a camera where you're potentially reaching an audience of thousands and trying to create a connection and community is very different from teaching to a class of 20 people at a physical location. Um, So aside from that, you have to consider your content and programming and talent in a different way. You have to think about, is this workout or fitness content that works well in a physical location going to translate to a screen. And you might have a highly qualified and experienced instructor, but in order for them to be successful in a digital world, they need to be able to project a certain star power. They need to be comfortable in front of the camera. They need to be able to create connections and build a feeling of community across a screen, whether that's Uh, a one-way screen, two-way interaction, one-to-one or one-to-many. It's just a completely different experience. And then you have to look at things like pricing. 
Are people going to pay the same amount for a class they take in person or for personal training that they do in person as they would in a digital world? Um, so do you charge the same amount for in-person and digital offerings? Do you bundle things together? Do you create subscriptions? It's just a completely different world. Um, and there are just a lot of new challenges. And with the pandemic, so many fitness brands had to evolve very quickly and figure out how to thrive in a digital world. And some of them did it immediately and beautifully and had an easy transition. And some are still figuring that out. You're exactly right. I'm sorry. I wish we all had like this playbook of this is how it's going to work. And this is what you have to be able to do for it to be successful. And one thing that I actually learned, that's actually a lot of things technically, right? A lot of things that we have learned in this whole massive like digital transformation for the health wellness space is this topic of increasing access to health and wellness. And it's we're seeing it now in a lot of different ways. And I'll actually give you a perfect example that I recently heard of, which was fascinating to me. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm mind blown by this. Okay. So it was a brick and mortar retail health and wellness concept, right? And their modalities and their kind of like existing marketing promotion strategy was really catered to women's health. So as they continued to move forward and they opened up more studios, they noticed that the majority of their target audience was heavily skewed um, women, right? So I think the, the split was actually 60-40 um, female to male audiences inside their studio. Then the pandemic started and they actually shifted and created their own on-demand platform and their own digital platform. What they saw, which is the most interesting part, on their on-demand platform was the complete opposite. It was 60% male, 40% female. And it really opened up their eyes and eyes to be able to understand and see like, oh my gosh, because we were technically like historically always like targeting our female audience base, the second that we gave the opportunity to, as you had mentioned before, right, meet the consumers where they are and giving the flexibility and autonomy to be able to consume health and wellness in their own ways, it opened up this whole new target, this whole, this whole new audience that they had never been able to touch before. So in your perspective, digital, the evolution of technology and digital is fascinating, so impressive. How can we continue using it to increase access to health and wellness? Well, first of all, I love that example that you used. It really shows how that shift to omni-channel, that shift to digital really widens the pie. Um, and that's such an interesting anecdote. I, I'm really surprised, but not surprised, but I, I love that. I love <laughs> I hearing <was> that. <laughs> it's very interesting. Um, so in terms of um, increasing access to health and wellness, I really see sort of three areas. Number one is creating lower cost options. And we're starting to see that um, as an example Peloton is now selling its bikes on Amazon and it's part of Amazon Prime and people can get these bikes now for $1,200. Um, so that's one thing. And even um, Lululemon Studio, they just cut, cut the price of the mirror by 50%. So making high quality digital connected fitness more affordable and accessible to more people is a win for everybody. The next thing I see is inclusivity and personalization. So consumers want to see people that look like them. So in fitness especially, you want to see all shapes and sizes and races 
And when you see that, it becomes less intimidating. I see somebody who looks like me who is doing this and who's successful. And I think that really draws people in. And then the third thing I see is what we touched upon a bit before is that omni-channel approach, um, removing barriers to accessing content and giving consumers that choice, that power of choice of how, when, and where they consume the content. I love it. All incredibly important notes. And I'm hoping that we can also take some note on that as well, because you know, as we think about the shift in this this space, my perspective on this was, I hate to say that it was more of like propaganda driven, but I would like to say it was more like results driven, right? Like we wanted to promote that you can lose X amount of weight and you can gain X amount of pounds of, of muscle and all of the things was affiliated there. But as we think about widening the pool, right, widening the base of the audiences that we can actually inspire it's about being more community driven and just being a part of something because my goodness, over the past couple of years, we definitely needed to be a part of something outside of just sitting at home by ourselves. Absolutely. Well, and one thing I want to just continue on on that note is, um, you know, fitness used to be, the marketing used to be very before and after driven and it was very much focused on lose X amount of weight, you know, get into a different pant size. And now it's about self-care, taking care of your physical and mental health. So it's really broadened beyond just physical appearance. And it's about looking at yourself holistically and really embracing that idea of self-care and mental well-being. Yes, absolutely. It's like this whole transactional into transformational. And now I kind of always want to connect the dots back to some of your original statements of like pulling on that thread of storytelling. And when we think about the lines of like storytelling and then pulling in a lot of the really cool, interesting learnings that you'd experience in the entertainment business and like how digital is transforming. There was one note that you had actually just talked about, and I really want to dive into this topic. And it's about the trainers, the content right? The community that you're able to inspire and the community that you're able to create is going to be really is largely focused on the content that you're developing. Now to drill enough to even further, we've now also opened up thanks to the pandemic and also thanks to the tools that technology has been able to empower us and be able to empower this new wave and new generation of business owners. Let's talk about the creator economy. It is now worth more than $100 billion dollars. They say that over 50 million people identify themselves as creators. And now I think they said about 74, 75% of marketers actually plan to invest at least a quarter of their social media budgets on content creator partnerships. This is very important for us to understand. So let's kind of dive in there. How have you seen this space change, especially in the way that consumers now make decisions and purchase products and services? Yeah, absolutely. So first thing I have to punctuate just based on what you said, and this goes back to my days of entertainment, content is king. And that's true in entertainment. It's true in fitness and the creator economy now is all about those creators, those creators making that content. So they're part of that royalty. Um, But without a doubt, the creator economy is going is has changed and is going to continue to change, continue to change the face of fitness. So with all of these new 
digital platforms and tools and phones with high quality cameras, anybody can be a creator and share their content, their creativity, their talents and their opinions with the world. So in marketing right now, there's just so much content and noise out there and it's harder and harder for brands and advertisers to break through. And consumers are paying attention to their peers and influencers and that's not new. Uh, you know, influencers have have really changed the face of marketing for, for quite a while now. Fewer and fewer purchase decisions are made without consulting review sites or social media platforms or blogs. Um, and people are able to make more informed purchase decisions. And they're looking to creators and influencers for that information, people that they can trust. They're not marketers. They're not, you know, being paid sometimes by the brand. Um, but it's interesting to see how the rise of the creator economy is not only changing how we make purchase decisions, but what those products even are. So fitness stars can break out on their own now. They can reach larger audiences. They can monetize their content and build tremendous businesses outside of working for large brands like a Peloton or Beachbody or gyms like Equinox or boutique fitness brands like Berries. And what we're seeing is that gyms and studios aren't going to be the center of the fitness ecosystem anymore. It's really, I think the pandemic accelerated what we're seeing now and fitness talent realize that they are holding a larger share of that value that they're creating and they're not beholden to these brands anymore. Mm, that is exactly right. I used to have like this visual that I would always, even, even before the pandemic, where in the past, you know, like the whole like methodology or mindset or concept of the hub and spoke, right? Before the gym was the hub and the spoke were the trainers, the members, the technology, the experience, all the fun things. Now it's completely shifted in a most positive way, I think. And I'm saying and thinking that you are too yeah. as well, based off of what you're saying, where now the hub is the consumer. It's it's giving them the chance to be able to go to a gym, go on an app, go on whatever that looks like, go on a connected device and like really giving them the autonomy to be able to make those decisions themselves. Yeah. And, you know, there's really been an explosion of fitness content at all levels and fitness consumers have more choice, more ways to discover fitness content and talent. They're not limited to trainers in their city. They're not limited by physical barriers. Um, and trainers have become celebrities and built businesses and huge followings on Instagram all on their own. That's exactly right. Would you say that it's because of not necessarily, I guess, like the storytelling or the, the stories that they are telling, right? But it's very much more like purpose-driven and that's what's reeling in those those communities? Absolutely. I mean, to to stand out now as a trainer you know, you see people coming out. I mean, everyone from star trainers that have grown up under some of these brands to people who, you know, fitness trainers who are incredibly talented and have built it all on their own. But what we're seeing is people who have this charismatic star quality. They have the ability to light up a room or a screen now, as that's really important. Um, and you see like a lot of the Peloton instructors, for example, they're former dancers and performers, 
and they exude that star quality. Um, and even from my background at Beachbody, Tony Horton, who was a trainer at Beachbody and created P90X, he was an aspiring comedian. Um, and Sean T, another Beachbody trainer, he was a dancer. So people who have that sort of star quality who can perform, I mean, that's kind of where you see there's that another sort of parallel and bridge between entertainment and fitness. Um, but I think also trainers who are able to make connections, build relationships, whether they're real or virtual, um, and are able to build community as we were just talking about. And then finally, you know, something that I think has become more and more important is authenticity and relatability, showing a human side. And it sort of goes back to seeing people who look like you, who have the same problems or issues or can show that vulnerability. That definitely makes sense. It's, you know, being more purpose-driven, being very authentic. So now I'm curious because you've definitely been in this role. We've got several members in the audience that are the business owners and who are constantly trying to not only attract their, their star talent, but also retain their star talent. So putting yourself in that perspective, what would you recommend for them? What advice would you give for them to help create those deeper rooted connections with those star talent and then perhaps even incentivize them to be part of the brand's growth? Yeah, I think that's a great uh, question and something that I think brands big and small are going to be facing, especially as the creator economy continues to build. How do you retain that star talent that's helped you build your brand? Um, and there's a great example from the wellness industry that I love. It's a company um, called Myo Detox. They're doing this really well. They're building a boutique fitness-like brand and customer experience in the physical therapy space. So the talent that they employ, they're chiropractors and physical therapists, and they are retaining their talent by giving them the opportunity to earn equity in the business. And when you have an equity stake in the business, you're even more invested in ensuring that the brand standards are upheld, that the customer experience is top notch, and that the business as a whole succeeds. Um, because when the business succeeds, you succeed. Uh, so they've built a plan um, where there's actually a path for their talent that can lead to business leadership and business ownership opportunities, as well as um, equity stake in the company. And I think, you know, they have very high talent retention and they're growing and doing very well. I completely agree. That was definitely an unplanned plug. I had no idea <laughs> that she was going to speak about Maya Detox, but uh, shout out to uh, Scott and Vinny and Tori. You guys are doing some great work over there. Really proud of y'all. Well, great. So speaking broadly, where do you envision the creator economy heading? What are you most excited about? Yeah. Well, I think we're still in the early days of the creator economy, both for creators and for consumers. As we talked about, the pandemic really fueled the rise of this creator economy over the past few years, and it's shifted the balance of power from big brands and gyms over to the creators, the ones creating that value. There's a lot of runway, and it's going to continue to grow. We're going to see new ways for fitness creators and consumers alike to unlock value. Um, and I foresee new and innovative tools, platforms, two-sided marketplaces 
that are going to give talent the freedom and the tools to monetize their passions and expertise, grow their own brand, reach new audiences, and build a lucrative business outside of the confines of a big brand. Um, on the flip side of that, there had been a proliferation of digital tools and platforms that were created, and we're also seeing a, a consolidation. There are brands that have merged or have closed up shop. Um, and some creator focused platforms have exited entirely and others have doubled down. And, you know, in my opinion, it's just going to continue to grow. We're at the tip of the iceberg here. And then finally, similar to what we're seeing in the fitness industry overall, I think we're going to see creator tools and resources taking more of an omni-channel approach with a rise in concepts like co-training facilities, and tools that address creator monetization across both digital as well as brick and mortar platforms. Mm. I'm curious, this is just because you, you brought up like a, really, a lot of really interesting points. When we think about omnichannel, giving these creators additional tools to be able to extend their reach, in essence, it really is being able to widen the pool of those that needs that can come into the industry in the first place, right? Because I think before we had that really fascinating data point that said that only like less than 20% of Americans were actually tied to a health and fitness solution. Now this just widens the mix, opens up more modalities, more specializations inside health and wellness. Would you agree? Oh, 100%. And it, it opens up the market. I mean, we're talking about things like two-sided marketplaces where people who didn't have uh, you know, access to reach audiences, they now can you know, put their talents out there and reach new audiences. But I also think that it opens things up for more um, niche type of interests or modalities, um, more personalization, um, just opening up opening up the ability for creators to, to put content out there, removing those barriers really opens up the world to so many different types of content and niche things that maybe wouldn't have the opportunity to exist and flourish. And it gives consumers so much more choice and access. Mm, I love it. And I completely, completely agree. And I definitely look forward to it. Well, future facing, any exciting things coming up that we can expect from you? Well, I am moving into more of an advisory strategic level role at Workout. I'm very excited for where they're going with their path forward. They very much are uh, focused on the creator economy, um, digital fitness, as well as brick and mortar. So excited for Workout to continue to grow. And I'm looking at some new opportunities in the health and fitness space. It's my passion. It's my love. And uh, I'm going to stay there and continue to help people improve their lives through fitness. Amazing. Definitely looking forward to continuing to see your journey. So final question for you. If you could give advice to a young woman that is designed to be a future entrepreneur or executive, what would you share with them? I really have three top things that came to mind. Number one is follow your passion. And as I mentioned early on, I followed my passion. It's led me to some really cool companies and great experiences. And 
I think it's so easy to sort of follow what everyone else is doing or follow expectations, but really be true to yourself. What are you passionate about? And follow that. And sometimes it's scary, but I think it's worth it in the end. Um, the second thing is to develop resilience and grit because you are going to fail. You're going to have low moments, but it's how you pick yourself up, learn from your experiences and keep on going. That's going to be key to success. And finally, surround yourself with the smartest, most talented people you can and empower them to do their job. Make sure that they're happy and they'll stick around and support you. And it seems a little bit hokey, but in that regard and in terms of how I love to work with teams and manage people, I always follow the golden rule, which is you know treating people the way you want to be treated. And I think that's been, you know, a key to building great teams and having success. Amazing. And that's absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much, Erica, for your time. Looking to hear more what's happening in the health, wellness, and sports industry? Subscribe to this podcast and we'll catch you next time on The Drift.